Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Let's Talk Tenkara podcast. I am joined today by Peyton Skidmore from Skiddy Fishing. Peyton, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Brendan? Doing fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on to the Let's Talk Tenkara podcast for episode five. Hey, I made it to episode five. That's a good number. I like that. So... I'm sure I, I know you've listened to a couple episodes, uh, so you've got a general idea of kind of what I what we're expecting here. But with you, things are going to be a little bit different just because you do have your YouTube channel. Talk to me a little bit about how like your fishing history and how you got into fishing and Tenkara fishing. Yeah, absolutely. So it all like like most people, I started with a spinning rod, traditional kind of spin fishing, and I I grew up actually trolling for kokanee at flaming gorge that was something that my dad did and he he loved it and i, I wish i could have appreciated at the level that he did because uh, i miss it like crazy now that i'm you know uh, a responsible adult but um yeah we troll for kokanee and then our family got really into camping and we just throw like power bait into these lakes and stuff like Payson lakes and uh, I loved it. But then in my teenage years, we got out of camping and I just, it kind of just fell through, fell off the face of the planet. I, I stopped fishing and kind of did the whole, you know, teenage thing. And eventually like everyone else, 2020 happened and I got sick of being inside. So I was like, Hey, I'm going to go outside and go fishing for a day. The problem with me is at that time, uh, fishing was like a multi-person phenomenon like I would never really go out by myself and so I'd just like beg people to come out and fish with me and you know sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't so one day I just went out by myself bought a rod like an ugly stick GX2 threw some power bait into Salem Pond and just slayed them all day and then I would just do that every weekend I would just go back and keep fishing for these uh, rainbow trout and like anything else if you do it enough it kind of starts to get a little bit boring after a while and that became, uh, how can I make this more exciting? Well, that started with uh, exploring spinners. I've never caught a fish on a spinner at that time. I never caught a fish on a jerk bait. Um, and then one day I was like, I kind of want to catch different species of fish. Like I'm kind of sick of rainbow trout. And so I started exploring what types of fish we have here in our grand state of Utah. And um, like, it just didn't occur to me that we had so many different types of trout and shark here. And then that's when I discovered the cutthroat slam, uh, went out and sought out my adventure with that. And I, I'll never forget this. I had a spinning rod. I think it was like a Shakespeare basic $20 spinning rod. And I tied a pistol Pete fly off of the tip of it and couldn't even cast this thing. It was weightless. And I remember throwing it into this little Creek and I caught my Bonneville with that. And then me being this, uh, not as educated as I am now, I was like, I caught my first fish fly fishing. Like, I can't believe I did that, you know? <laughs> and from there, I was really tied into catching fish on the smallest thing possible. It just blew my mind that I could catch a fish on uh, on a fly like that. And in the grand scheme of things, a pistol peat fly is actually pretty big. Like if you compare it to other flies that we're using these days. Um, so I started getting into the, the micro light rods and how can I, how can I get smaller than that? Well, how do I start casting these small flies? And then, uh, naturally about a, a year and a half ago, I picked up into fly fishing, bought, a the Amazon special wild water fly rod outfit. 
And I, I'm a little bit self-taught in, in that, but I just, I just went out and just kept exploring and pushing myself and uh, got a backtrack. I, I mentioned that I had to depend on other people to come with me. I started going all by myself and I was exploring everywhere. I would, I live in central Utah. So I drive to the very top of the state, uh, Logan area, go fish the creeks up there and just make a day trip out of it. And then finally my buddy Kyle and Kyle, if you listen to this credit where it's due, he'd give me crap if I didn't say this. Uh, he's the one that introduced me to Tenkara. He said, Hey, if you're liking fly fishing, you should really look into this. It's really simple. It's like a fixed line form of fly fishing. Uh, he had a Tenkara USA rod and I remember going out with him on a couple outings and just watching him just catch five to one fish on, on his Tenkara rod. And I was like, that thing is ridiculous how simple it is. And I was intrigued. I became uh, obsessive with how the whole thing worked. And that's how I found uh, Ruben and some of the other rods uh, from Wasatch Tenkara. Uh, talked his ear off for like, I don't know, felt like a week straight. He pro probably drove him nuts. Ruben's such a nice guy. And uh, uh, reluctantly, um, I did settle with a uh, Dragon Tail Mizuchi. I say reluctantly because it's a great rod. I absolutely love that rod and still use it to this day. Uh, but I, I, I'm biased. I, I love Wasatch Tenkara, and I, I just love to rep their products. But uh, ended up buying that Mizuchi and just just went to town on it. And the rest is history. And uh, at, at this point in my life, I would say about a year and a half into it, if I have the option to uh, Western fly fish uh, a big river. Uh, spinfish a lake or Tenkara a small creek it's Tenkara every time that's that's what intrigues me the most it's the appeal behind it and uh, you know it doesn't take a lot to get started it's simple on paper uh, and it's just like it, it just it almost pushes you to explore and I just because you don't have like the the cumbersome mass of all this product around you you can just take a, a rod a line a fly and go right and yeah. that that just that just changed the world for me and then then you have to buy a rod for every specific type of thing you're going to be in right so here i am i think i'm eight rods into uh <laughs> in my tenkara experience at this point so you mentioned that you got started with the mizuchi which dragon tail makes fantastic rods I mean, oh yeah again credit where credit's due the first real rod that I bought was a Dragon Tail uh, Shadow Fire. Sure. I still have that rod. I fish it on occasion still. Um, great rods for sure. What drew you when you were initially looking? I mean, you, you mentioned that you talked to Ruben a lot. What helped you make that decision on where your first rod was going to be or which rod that you were going to choose? Yeah, I, I think what makes fishing so overwhelming for many people is that 10 different people have different outcomes of the same, you know, area or thing that they're using and they all work, right? Like mm -hmm. for example, I could use a different fly on a creek, the exact same creek that you're fishing and your different fly may work. And so I, I think there's so many varieties and options out there that it makes picking the right one option or a, a hard decision when really all options on the table might be the right option. We'd kind of fail to think about that sometime, but I was at a, uh, a local fly shop. It's called fly fish food. I'm sure many people are aware of it. It's a kind of a West coast, uh, big business. And I ran into a guy there 
and I, I told him that I had a sharpshooter on back order and he, he was a little bit into the Tinkara scene and he was just like, you know what? Nothing on Wasatch, but Dragon Tail will be what you're looking for. I strongly recommend going with them. And so that's kind of how I discovered the brand. Uh, found them on Amazon, actually, initially. I wasn't even looking at their website. And I think that's kind of what helped is mentally I see something on Amazon and I think, okay, like I can read like 10,000 reviews of this product, right? And get like tons of extra opinions of it. And I, I think I just chose the Mizuchi because... Triple zoom is something that ties a lot of first-time Tinkara users into the the initial rod is, okay, do I need a 12-foot rod? Do I need a, a 9-foot rod? Am I going to buy one that's too small for me? So triple zoom was definitely um, a big appeal for the first rod and then just something that was that had a good warranty behind it and uh, that kind of covered just the range that I needed, I suppose. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to grab something really quick off the side here. You're good. I mean, you talk about how, you know, there's no right or wrong application. It's different for everyone, right? I mean, my first Tenkara rod, I've talked about it before on the podcast, cheap Amazon rod. I sure. mean, I bought two of these rods for 15 bucks for the two of them. They are the biggest pieces of trash as far as <laughs> Tenkara rods go, but they catch fish. Yeah. I mean... I even after I got nicer rods, I still will break these out every now and then. Generally, I'll throw it in a backpack where I'm not worried if it's gonna break because it, you know, sure. step fifty for each rod. But there's a different starting point for everyone, and it's interesting to hear how different people came to their conclusions on what they ended up getting. He said I bought that one first, and then after one outing with it, I came home and I ordered uh, what I after you know, a couple hours of research on Amazon as well, uh, discovered the shadow fire and ended up purchasing that rod because it was a good rod for the price. And I wish I would have gone with the triple zoom first, but you know, for I, what, what I got, I can't complain. It was a really good rod. I, to this very day, knowing what I know, I think the shadow fire is without a doubt the best first Tenkara rod that anyone can buy. I don't even think there's a debate there because the biggest part is the price, right? It's mm -hmm. like what, 80 bucks or something, $85. Uh, yeah. Some somewhere around there. I think I bought the starter kit and I think I paid like 115 bucks for the rod yeah. line holder, furled line, three flies, uh, tip it like it, it comes with everything you need for $115. There's just nothing else on the market for a quality rod that's going to touch that price point. Yeah, it's got it's got the perfect flex for it. Um, it's it's perfect for most stream applications that people are going to use. I actually ended up talking a coworker into buying the Shadow Fire uh, without knowing exactly how it felt. I just was instinctively like, look, man, this is going to be the best bang for your buck. I can tell you right now, they, I see this on Facebook and other forums all the time, people talking about the Shadow Fire. Well, he buys it. He brings it to my work so I can show him how to set it up initially. I was like, I kind of like this rod. Like, I kind of <laughs> already have a Mizuchi, but I kind of think I want this now. And it's just, it really is the best bang for your buck. And actually they sell refurbished models on their website all the time for as low as like $70. So it's just, I, I just, to this day, I think it's such a great, um, it's a great rod, but uh, I'm kind of the person who tends to like, I'll justify my purchase. Like I will do an overwhelming amount of research. And then if I buy it and it's wrong, like I, I'm too stubborn to admit that I made a wrong purchase. <laughs> I will make it work. Damn it. And 
is like uh, that Amazon rod. I mean, I yeah. like, I'll, it's great backpacking rod. It works fantastic. I hate yeah. that rod for any other application. But yeah. if I'm going well, for a hike, you bet that rod is in my backpack. Right. Well, and look at um, Tristan from Tenkara Attic. I'm pretty sure there's multiple videos where he actually announces that he regretted selling his wild water Amazon rod. And he even reached out and said, if you bought this from me, please, I will pay you double to get it back because it was his first rod. Like it's it has sentimental value and he regretted it. And so. Uh, I think I hold too much sentimental value to my, I'm, I'm a worldly possession kind of guy, I suppose, but yeah. Hey, I mean, you do what you got to do. And like you said, there's, it's different for everyone. And I, I won't get rid of these Amazon rods. If I break them, I'll probably order another one because they're cheap. Yeah. I'm not afraid to break them because they're cheap and yep. they work really well for the function. You know, you bring up Tristan with Tenkara Attic. There are several videos where he fishes this exact rod. Um, there's multiple videos where he, uh, had a fan put a cork handle on that rod oh, okay. to him. And he was like, it actually makes it a little bit better because it improves the balance of the rod. Yeah. But, and it makes the handle a little bit more comfortable because I mean, it's very thin. Well, while we're talking about this, I'm curious, like how, how does it feel to have the handle? Like, like how that one is. You know, at first, I mean, obviously, this was the first rod Tenkara-wise that I knew. And, I mean, I don't even know if it really counts as a Tenkara rod. But it's it's interesting because there's nothing to it. It's very skinny. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, you know, those, like, fat pencils you get when you're, like, in kindergarten? It's yes. probably a little bit fatter than that, but not much. Sure. So, Wrap your hand around one of those and you're feeling one of these rods. Um, well, there's so a rod from Tenkara Rodco called the the Beartooth that kind of looks somewhat similar to yeah. that. And it's it's 15 times the price. I'll probably never own it. But just like how different it is has mm-hmm. kept me intrigued where if I see a used one in like a marketplace somewhere or classified, I'll probably just buy it to have it. I don't need a 10-foot rod. I already have a 10-foot rod. But like the lack of cork handle is just really unique to me. Yeah, and I mean, there are some Japanese rods that use that same ideal uh, behind their handles. They just don't have a handle to them. And I've always been intrigued by them. But at the same time, after using rods with cork handles or foam handles, I just don't know if for a full-time rod, especially the price you pay for a Japanese rod, I don't know if I could justify going that route. Yeah, and I'm a big guy with big hands like... It's, you know, it's, it's, it's probably extra weird for people like me to, to, you know, put their hands around something like that. But, um, one day I'll, maybe I'll give it a try and see how it goes. Yeah. Next time I see, I've, I've always got one of those in my car as well. Like backpack in my car. There's always one of them with me. (laughs) So uh, I'll let you look at it next time I see you. Absolutely. Um, as we get back into, you know, away from choosing rods and things like that, um, what are you looking at as far as like you mentioned different situations where you're going fishing? You're, I mean, obviously with your YouTube channel, you're doing a lot more than just Tenkara. You're doing lakes with spinning gear. You're using some Western fly gear. When you're looking for a Tenkara outing, though, uh, in the great state of Utah, what are you looking for as far as your ideal situation? So I'm still learning how to blue line. Um, 
at, at a level that satisfies me. I religiously look at Google Maps, uh, Google Earth, or um, the DWR uh, map that's provided to the, to the state. And for anybody that hasn't seen that, I think it's a great resource because it tells you every main fishery in the state, and then it kind of uses a little bit of a, a map system beyond that. But for um, anyone that wants to look into that website a little bit more, I will include a link in the description below on the okay. YouTube video for this. Awesome. Um, and yeah, so my, my ideal situation is, okay, what am I getting myself into? Am I expecting a lot of overhead? Is there going to be trees um, that I have to basically crawl under? Um, or is it going to be an open area? How much casting room do I have? Am I going to be more like nymphing and uh, lose that luxury of casting or bow and arrow casting? So like I try to like maybe pre pre-plan or scope or scout the area as much as I can. Um, but if I've never been there before, my average commute every time I fish is at least an hour and a half one way. And half the time I take a total gamble on, I, I know where the river is, but I don't know what it's going to look like when I get there. So I might have three rods of various lengths to kind of be prepared for whatever I, you know, whatever challenge I face with that. And then hopefully when I get there, maybe keep half of that gear in the car as a backup and then just kind of keep the, again, that cumbersome, um, you know, no, nobody wants a, their full house with them when they're hiking and stuff like that. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty similar in that aspect. I take way more gear with me that stays in the car than I actually fish with. Yeah. Generally when I hit the stream, I've got a little pouch or, a fly box in my pocket with some tippet and stuff in my pocket, a net, a rod. Uh, I generally will carry a backup rod just in case. Um, yeah. But then I've got another three rods in the car and four yeah. more fly boxes and who knows what else. You know, there's a the, guy, the last guy that you interviewed, uh, Mr. Iowa, I forget his name, Dre. Uh, Dre, yeah. Yeah. So he, he will, he will challenge himself to go on outings with just next to nothing. Like he wants to, you guys <laughs> talked about how as you, as guides, you know, you have to be the person who carries, you're the mule, right? You, yeah. you have all the gear with you. I would like to learn to force myself into being minimalist because I'm definitely not. Um, again, I always prepare for the worst. What happens if I break a rod? What if I left the fly box in the car that has all the nymphs and, you know, that was the thing that was going to work. It's like, I will plague myself with that thought the entire time I'm out of like, if I don't have it, will I end up needing it? And uh, a trick, you mentioned broken rods, a trick. If you don't want to carry an extra rod, but you're worried about breaking a rod. Um, another guide actually recommended this to me before I started guiding. Carry a roll of electrical tape. Oh, makes sense. And the reason is you're not going to obviously tape the two sections together, butt end to butt end. But if you put a wrap or two of tape around the broken section that's still connected to the rod and then take yeah. the other end, put a wrap or two around it, and then feed it back up through. Yeah, it'll it catch it. it. Yeah, it gives it the ability to catch it in there and you can keep fishing it. I mean, it changes the cast a little bit, but it does sure. give you the ability to fish that same rod doesn't ruin your i mean if you're two hours into a hike it doesn't ruin mm -hmm. your, you know your your day trip so exactly and so i always have a thing of electrical tape with me when i'm out on the river because you know sometimes even though i normally have a second rod with me sometimes i just really want to keep fishing the rod <laughs> that i'm fishing 
Yep. So thankfully, I've never had to use the electrical tape, but I've got it. <laughs> Knock on wood. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those uh, insurance policies that we were talking about earlier before yeah. we started, right? <laughs> I've got it, so I don't need it. Yes. But no, definitely, it's it's interesting to look at all the gear that you can take and what you do and don't need. Um, you mentioned the conversation I had with Dre last episode, and uh, he and I both we like going out minimalistic a lot of the times. Like I said, I a lot of times I'll throw a thing of flies and throw or uh, well a level line, some tippet in my pockets, take my net and a rod, and just go out on the water. And it's crazy what you can do with that little gear. I mean, oh, totally. Like when I guide, when I Western fly fish, it's the same thing. I've got way more gear than I need. And I generally have a chest pouch on that's just, it's got four th- four books of flies in it and five different sizes of tippet and all this gear that you don't need all the time, but it's nice to have when you do need it. Yeah. But it's nice to get out, like you said, and just test yourself. Find out what your abilities are with very little gear. Yeah, definitely. That's great advice. Um, and so as you've been learning Tenkara fishing over the past year, year and a half, what would you say was the hardest thing for you to adjust to or what came naturally? That's a really good question. Uh I think we overwhelm ourselves with what type of line to use, what's going to be too heavy, what is going to, you know, spook the fish, what what's going to give you the most natural presentation possible. Um, I have learned that to be a level line fan, and I, I think probably the average Tankara user ends up appreciating the level line concept. But then it's like, well, what's 3.0? What's 2.5? What's 3.5? And like, if I have eight rods or if I buy two rods, let's say from a starting standpoint, you know, is, is 3.5 going to be viable between multiple rods? And that was really hard to, to wrap my head around. Um, I felt like braid was just like something exclusively for like bass or really big warm weather fish or just big fighting fish. And, and then I ended up actually buying some furled line just to, to have, and then ended up working out amazing on a really windy day. And so, um, one of those things where, you know, try it, you know, try multiple things and see what works. And you might be surprised that all of it works. Um, but I think getting my head around the line was, was the tricky part. And then, um, again, what types of, of knots to tie level line to tip it and extend it from there. Cause level line can be pricey if you're changing it out often. Right. So I want to burn through tip it, not level line. Can I, can I cut myself a length that's going to be uh, untampered for, you know, most of my journeys for the year and then just kind of once again, keep burning through that tippet. So that was kind of something that mentally I had to, you know, get used to. Yeah. So you mentioned different knots and stuff when you, and you mentioned your line setup, when you're setting up your line, are you going tippet straight to line or are you using tippet rings or micro swivels? What is, what's your standpoint on that? I try to be as minimalistic with that as possible. I don't like using uh, little rings, uh, swivels, things like that. Uh, we were, t- you and I were tying those for the customers at the Wasatch Tenkara Expo. That was um, a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I, it challenged my knot tying skills. Like I was like, oh my, like this. Somebody's depending on me right now. Like if they lose their first fish because of my inability <laughs> to tie a knot, like that's gonna suck. Um, 
but no, I will tie the the traditional uh, Slipknot to the Lillian, and I, I like to have a tag end that's a little bit longer than average so I can pull off of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a big fan of the pucks. I don't like the line wrappers that go around uh, the base of the Tenkara rod. I just kind of use the... They're actually the Nirvana ones from Dragon Tell. They kind of have like the foam and then the plastic around the side. I've got a few. Um, They're really nice. Yeah, I, I'm big, big fan of those. So, um, so yeah, I will use that Slipknot method to to wrap around the Lillian and and that puck, and then I use a a slightly different Slipknot from the the level line to the tippet. I'll, I'll do a little overhand knot at the very end of the level line, and then I will tie that tippet uh as a slip knot just over it because the it basically stays tight with tension right so the more tension that's on it it's going to stay stuck behind that stopper knot um and then if you cut the tag end off so it's really flush there's no tag end to pull back off of so i've yet to lose a fish believe it or not using that method and then um my choice of knot from tippet to fly is questionable i i still use the ones I use for my spinning rod uh, to that. And it works, but it might, might be uh, a little more tedious than it needs to be. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I I went through a phase when I first started fishing with Wasatch's rods because Ruben threw a micro swivel on. Yeah. And so I fished with a micro swivel for a while and I, I like them, but I don't use them all the time. In fact, I find myself moving more and more away from them recently. Sure. And part of it is it just takes so dang long to tie on micro swivels. Well, I use a lot of them on, uh, I don't like to bait fish a lot, but sometimes my wife and I do like to go fish for catfish and we like using Carolina rigs. And so those barrel yeah. swivels are, are huge for us because we've got a really strong line, like a braided line. And then we want to tie a, like a floral leader off of it. Mm-hmm. And so barrel swivels are, are a big, uh, you know, improvement for us, but it to wrap my head around using that for fly fishing, um, you know, and sometimes maybe that added weight is what you need. If you've got a rod that's, that's casting, um, you know, a little bit behind where you need it to be, and maybe you're just a little lacking weight, that might be the difference for you. So it really just depends on, on what you're looking for. But again, I like all the way to be that level line, and that fly and so i try to keep any other material out of the way for that but and and realistically a barrel swivel might be perceived as a fly once it lands in the water anyway so it might even give you a a welcome detention if anything obviously they can't really bite onto it but if you got some really eager fish they might you know they might strike anything the moment it lands in the water and who knows if that's your barrel swivel or your fly Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if you fish uh, indicators very often, but I've had fish hit indicators. Yeah. Uh, that's obvious, or that's uh, why now I don't fish indicators. I'll throw a dry fly on as a indicator because sure. I'd rather have a hook in there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's like, you know, you're, you're not going to catch them if you can't hook them, right? Exactly. And so that's, that's one thing, like you look at the different things. Sometimes that little bit of extra weight, like you said, is going to be the difference in your cast. More times than not, I find that it doesn't make that big of a difference, but it could make the difference if you're trying to sink that fly just a little bit deeper, having that little bit of extra weight to help pull your line down, things like that. Or if it's a windier day, that little bit of extra weight could make a difference. Sure. Me personally, if it's if I'm fishing in the wind, I'm throwing a furled line or a 4-0 or greater level line. Yeah. 
But, you know, it's just, it's all preference at that point and deciding what works for you and what you do and don't like. Well, I think that's the really important takeaway from a lot of this. And for, you know, it's going to be a reoccurring thing in your podcast that's discussed because you and I could both have two different setups and stand side by side at the same river and catch the same number of fish with, you know, but we're like, well, why, why are we the same? Why is it 50, 50? And then if one person's out fishing the other, maybe, maybe that's the adjustment. Right. But it, it, it tends to work no matter what you do for so many people. And I think having too many varieties or options on the table overwhelms people. You feel like you're going to make the wrong choice, but uh, you don't know if you don't try you know, it's like you go out there and you don't catch fish and you go out again and you see them rising, but they're not taking what you're doing. Well, make adjustments. You have to be prepared for adjustments, but sometimes you find places where it just doesn't matter. Like they're so eager to take whatever you throw at them, throw a hook on that barrel swivel. You might catch them on a barrel <laughs> swivel. <laughs> you never know. I, I know a guy personally that has caught a fish on a bear hook. So yes. <laughs> It, weirder things have happened. Yes, definitely. I wouldn't have believed him if I hadn't been there when that happened, by the way. So it's not just, a, oh, well, I caught. No, I, I was there. <laughs> yeah, I I've done it a handful of time with panfish, specifically like bluegill. Like it's it, it's crazy what they'll take. Oh, yeah. I mean, you think about it and really a lure is just a bear hook. It's just dressed up to look pretty. Yep, absolutely. All right. So getting back into... Uh, some of the things that we're doing, Kay. So you're, we, we talked a little bit earlier about how you got started into Tenkara, and I believe your buddy's name was Kyle. Is that correct? Yeah, Kyle with a C, believe it or not. It's weird, but I'm, I'm going to make fun of him all I can. Kyle with a C. <laughs> so Kyle was out fishing with his Tenkara gear. You were using Western fly gear, and you mentioned that you were getting out fish. What do you think attributed to... And as you've switched to Ankara, what do you think attributes to you catching more fish than you do with these other methods of fishing? Well, we were at a moderately sized stream when we went, and you don't have to mend your line when you're Tenkara fishing. It's it's tight line, right? Um, you can if you need to, I suppose. But for me, I'm trying to keep a certain uh, presentation with a Western fly rod that just it just takes time to to master. And by the time Kyle is fishing next to me, this is probably like his fifth outing with a Tenkara rod. Um, and so, yeah, he's just he's just throwing pretty much the same fly. I think we're both using zebra midges in this specific outing. And it just, it, it, they, whatever he was doing was just different enough to where he, they wanted to take what he had. And I think it was just having more mass line, you know, trying to keep the, the drift a certain presentation for him just it just you know probably my inability as a fly fisherman to do that but again it tenkara was so forgiving for people that want to learn how to do it that all he had to do was just cast and just follow the rod and boom he was catching them absolutely and that's one of the things that really stood out to me when i got started was just how easy it is like you said you're tight line nymphing pretty much uh, you might not be using a nymph you may be using a nymph it's up to you but you know, just having very little line on the water makes a huge difference. And I mean, yes. even, even when I'm using my longer rods, like uh, the T-Hunter in his 15-foot length, uh, the Phoenix Rising, when I'm using these longer rods, you're 
you can lay your line out there as it's further away. Mm-hmm. But as as you're working that line closer, it's you're putting less and less line on the water, and that's when you start to see more success. Is when there's nothing for the fish to see other than yeah. you. Totally, totally agree. And uh, you know, he just I didn't have that luxury being on the size of stream we had. Now, if we were on a bigger stream, like let's say Provo River. Uh, it may have been a little bit easier for me because I could have cast it. I could have outcasted him, right? Um, his 10 foot rod versus my nine foot Western fly rod. So there's, there's a time and place for so many different things and they both work. Uh, but on the stream that we were fishing, yeah, he, he definitely had the advantage. So you mentioned the Provo river and your Western fly rod. Have you tried Pinkara on the bigger rivers around? I've tried it on the Provo a couple times. I need to be more patient with it. Um, you know, the the problem is I've yet to go to the Provo River with only my Tenkara rod. I will go with my Western rod and Tenkara rod. And if I don't catch a fish in 10 minutes, I'm back to my Western rod. And I just need to like suck it up and be prepared for the skunk if it's going to happen. Um, but at the time that I tried that, I'm pretty sure I only had... Uh, I was either Mizuchi or it was the Nirvana, which is a 400 uh, centimeter rod. I think that's 13 feet. But having the T-Hunter might change things a little bit. I've also explored fishing with PVC line. I do have the Dragon Tail floating PVC line and um, yet to really try it exclusively with that. So one of these days when the rivers aren't blowing out, um, I'm going to try that. I'm going to take just the 10 car rod and just force myself to just, you know, make a five-hour trip out of it and see how it goes. No, I, I would definitely encourage you to try it. I think you'd be surprised if you wait a little bit longer than 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you really reach out there. I mean, you mentioned the PVC line and things like that. Those are things that I'm using when I fish bigger uh, rivers and stuff is PVC lines or a partial float line. There's a few different yeah. options, right? But it gives you the ability to lay your lo- your rod out to where it's pretty much flat. And yeah. Your line can float down the river that way, like your western fly fishing, and gives you that longer reach and gives you the ability to catch those fish that are a little bit further away. So, definitely encourage you to try it. Maybe once our rivers slow down, we'll have to make a trip out of it, and I'll force you to only use Tenkara. But <laughs> definitely, I mean, I I sincerely hope because right now, last summer, I was I was really proactive with Tenkara fishing specifically on my channel, but um, as of late, it's been a lot more Western fly fishing, and that's just that that's kind of uh because of the people that I'm going with and kind of what the you know what the trip holds like Green River and stuff like that. Um, but if I get my hands on Rodzilla and Phoenix Rising, that's going to change a lot for me. I'd like, realistically, if I look at my YouTube channel, I want to be at least 60% Tenkara fishing and then the rest of it, everything else. Um, more Western than spin fishing, but it's definitely 60% as an entire channel Tenkara fishing. That's what I hope to accomplish um, sooner than later. No, that'd be awesome. I mean, especially you look at YouTube and there's so many different avenues for fishing videos out there. And really, you think of Tenkara fishing and you'll see the occasional video from like Hardman fishing or you know, a couple of, of those other ones. I mean, obviously, Tenkara Addict is a really big one for yeah. Tenkara. Uh, Flicky Flies as well is really big in Tenkara, but there's not a lot of Tenkara out there. But you, you've got a lot of spin fishing, you've got a lot of fly fishing. And so I think as you 
continue to grow your platform, I think you'd see a lot of benefit from, like you said, 60-40 mix, uh, just giving yourself that little bit more to stand out. Well, and Tristan's on a hiatus right now, so it's time to capitalize on the content. <laughs> so, I mean, everybody knows Tenkara Addict. They know he's the guy. If Flicky Flies, credit where it's due, an outstanding guy. But most people are going to find Tristan's content first. And uh, Tenkara Genki, I think, is another one. Um, yeah, but like, but a lot of those guys aren't in Utah. Tristan, I think, is an Idaho native. He's been in Utah a handful of times. Um, He's actually currently in Wyoming, I believe. Wyoming. Okay. So because oh, he, he's, he he's a little bit in the, in the corners up there yeah. and, and you know, the North Northern parts of the state. Uh, but yeah, I want to be known as the YouTube guy in Utah. That is like my overall goal is, Hey, this guy is always exploring and um, you know, he's just like, I, we can count on him to provide not only the content, but the, the resources and information. He's not a hot spotter. He's not giving away the spots, but he's giving you something to work with to inspire. That's something I would love to, you know, uh, attribute more of. Absolutely. So let's get back into Tenkara a little bit here and let's talk about fly selection. So yes. When I know, I know you and I have talked about flies before, but obviously mm-hmm. that was private conversation and not on the podcast here. <laughs> um, what are your go-to flies? Um, I think the Adams fly is without the doubt or without a doubt my favorite fly of choice because it it mimics so many different types of hatches. It's a very traditional fly. I specifically like the parachute variants of them because and for those that don't know, a parachute Adams is it's a really like it kind of has like the gray body with like the brownish kind of um you know, fly material coming off of it, but it also has like a white indicator typically off the top of it, a little bit of a white fur. I'm the person where I throw a fly and as soon as it hits the water, it's like camouflage and I can't see it. And I'm like, oh crap, where is it? And, uh, and then I have to recast in order to figure out where that is. And that little indicator is just enough for me to know exactly where that fly is. And it seems to work for me in so many different applications. And if I can find a more specific Adam's fly, it's going to be the pair or the purple haze, I've used it from northern Utah to central Utah all times of the year. And that fly is just so forgiving for me. And that's a fly I got to have like 15 of in my box at all times. If you don't believe him, we went the last fly show that we were at together. We stopped in at a fly booth and had a really good deal. It was like, what was it? $20 for 30 flies or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure 20 of his flies <laughs> Uh, purple haze so you're 100 percent right the rest of them were zebra midges <laughs> yeah so definitely uh he's not pulling your chain there he loves that fly and the zebra midge um, yeah anyways i'll let you go back to talking about your flies well you know i'm comfortable talking about it though because you could go to a totally different stream that i've never been to before and use it and it will probably work and i don't think it's going to ruin that fishery um but i'd like to get more involved with kabaris i've yet to have a lot of um attempts with them i have a fly box pretty much rigged up right now with kabaris um but just like traditional western uh dry flies yeah, it's I, I've used a handful of ants, actually, little black ants. Um, there's one river that's local to me that holds a, an abundance of uh, brown trout, and they just go crazy for that. And I, I just feel like this is where Tenkara and Western fly fishing start to overlap a little bit. You can use so much of the same flies, and 
the only exception to that is when weight becomes too heavy, right? It's really hard to throw streamers on Tenkara rods. You can do it, and there are rods that are better than others. Um, but yeah, those those dry flies, man, they're just they're next level. I love them, and they're so simple, and they work everywhere. Well, you know, you talk about dry flies, and with Western fly fishing, for those of you that have a Western fly fishing background, imagine you're out on the river, and there's nothing more exciting than watching a fish blow up that dry fly yes on the top right okay now take that same feeling but put the fish six feet away from you and i mean there's just a rush that comes with that that you can't match yeah do you want to know what's even better than watching a trout slam a dry fly let's hear it (laughs) watching a trout sip a dry fly slow motion comes up because it has enough time to look at it and be like, do I want that? Is that food? Am I not intrigued? And then they still end up taking it just like that soft sip. And then you get the luxury of setting the hook. That is like, I I will never be able to beat that in, in my experience. It's just so cool. Well, you know, that's one of the things that's crazy. Really. You look at like a fish blowing up a fly on the top, or you look at that sip and you're more likely to get that hook set on the sip than you are on that blow up because that fish comes flying up at you know as fast as he can off the bottom yeah and he might miss that fly but you see him blow up right next to your fly and you're gonna set the hook yeah you might miss them but if they come up and they sip it that fly is in their mouth there's no ifs ands or buts about it yeah definitely i mean you you always say that those uh hook sets are for free but if mm-hmm. you know if, if it comes up and slams it it's hard to know if you actually have the the fly in its mouth and so um you know a lot of the smaller streams that i've been working a lot more recently in time don't really have the depth for the fish to come up and slowly take that sip but uh you know i i've seen it happen at the green and that's something I would love to do. I mean, when I when I look at Rising Phoenix, Brendan, that is what I think is go to go to Green River, throw that PVC floating line on, and yeah, you know, he's gonna he's gonna rub it in my face now, and uh, yeah, and then just throw throw some uh, blue wing olives on there or something, and and have them t- sip it off the surface. That's just I feel like that would be a huge accomplishment for me. Yeah, for for those of you that aren't watching this, uh, swing over to YouTube and uh, fast forward a little bit. I do have the Rising Phoenix with me today. Ruben has been so kind to lend it to me for an outing I'm doing next week. Uh, We're going to try to be the, well, I guess it'll be the week that this podcast is (laughs) live. I will be on the river with this rod trying to be the first person in the world to land a sturgeon with a Tenkara rod. So... There we go. Hopefully no pressure because if, happen. yeah, if you if you don't accomplish it and then this goes public, I know it's it's gonna be a little bit of an embarrassment. But <laughs> I do have the Rising Phoenix here for anyone that wants a sneak peek at the broke down length of it. Hold it up here. It is an amazing rod, and that spay handle is something that I never thought I would see on a Tenkara rod, and I love. That's awesome. I'm super excited for it, man. And I really hope you get into them. I just, I, it would be such a cool accomplishment and I think it's well-deserved. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, <laughs> I've got a few, the, the hard part's going to be obviously the rivers. I mean, even up there, the rivers are super high. And so we're not sure if we're going to be able to get in on the spot we we're planning on. We might have to pull an audible and try somewhere else, but we're going to, we're going to give it our best. I got two full days of fishing and a partial day of fishing. So there you go. See what happens. 
<laughs> but all right, let's enough about me and my ambitions <laughs> here. <laughs> um, so fishing in Utah, we talked a little bit about what you're looking for as far as when you're looking for streams and things like that. When you decide that you're going out with the Tenkara rod, what does an ideal trip look like in your mind? So I did mention that my average commute's about an hour and a half. I try to keep most of my outings a day trip um, so I can go fish five hours and then come back and, you know, be the family man. But uh, try not to overpack, bring something that's going to, you know, I'd say like a two mile hike would be ideal. Um, and then just just kind of explore. Uh, for me one one method of finding blue lines as of late and this isn't obviously the only way to do it but i've been looking at lakes that are stocked with the the target species and i find the tributaries that come into that or the i, I might have this back uh backwards is it tailwater that comes into the lake no it's a tributary okay and i i will i will so I will work that stream as it comes into the lake and then I will work my way up. And it's been, it's been life-changing for me. Like I have this one stream that I will bury with me in my grave, but I'm going to take you, Brendan. And if it fishes this year, as well as it did last year, there is, I'm not even joking, 2000 tiger trout in a half a mile, a half a mile. And that you cannot even possibly use the wrong thing. And it's, but it's just fun. You just like, you get to walk past this really scenic lake. You get the view of it. If you want to still water fish it, you can. Uh, so I might have a longer rod with me to attempt that. Um, but then I'm just going to start hiking up. Yeah. I'm going to start <laughs> hiking up that stream and, you know, just, just work it. And, you know, but it, it's often, okay, what's, what's the target species? I'm a big fan of cutthroat. I'm always looking for cutthroat streams and, uh, bird trout probably next to that, which most people probably know this, but bird trout aren't native to Utah. So streams with them are a little bit more rare than your, you know, your, re your regular trout streams, rainbows, cutthroat, things like that. Um, but yeah, and then it's just, it's just work them. You know, I try to find, okay, this area was really fruitful. Is there an area near that that's going to be another opportunity so if it fails me and i get skunked i can work back to an area that will produce for me so i'm uh as, as a youtuber it's often okay what's gonna present the content what's gonna actually give something for people to watch because i don't want to make a 10 minute video on youtube of me not catching fish nobody wants to see that right it's okay what is this guy using um you know can I can I watch the video long enough to see what type of fly he's using and how he's fishing this stream, things like that. So I want to give people something to work with. So I have to fish something that I know will. And that's kind of the burden, burden of YouTube, right? Is like, don't get me wrong. It's not like it takes the fun out of it for me. I love to share my journey. And for me, if anything, I can look back and, and watch my content to, as like a journal, right? But... I also don't want to like take too much of a risk to where I'm going to get skunked and then I'm going weeks at a time without producing that video because with subscribers and watch hours, it's like you got to keep up with it. Like there's no, you don't get the luxury of taking vacations when you start doing the YouTube thing, I feel like. And that's been, that's been my challenge, but that's what I'm looking for when I'm going out is okay, what's going to be fruitful and um, watchable? Is it also, is it going to be, 
different, right? I mean, just kind of like Tristan, he's mentioned multiple times. I don't want to just make 10 videos in a row of all brook trout. Even if the stream is different, it's going to be repetitive and boring. You want to like diversify those species. And so that's kind of what I'm looking for. No, and that's honestly one of the things when I'm watching YouTube videos. Um, I love Tristan's videos. He's really the YouTuber that got me started into Tenkara. But uh, we've talked a little bit about Flicky Flies and his videos. And that's one of the things that drew me to his videos was he fishes for more than just trout. Yes. I mean, you can watch... I've seen him fish carp, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he'll do carp. He does different types of bass and stuff. He catches pike. Like, he travels all the time and makes videos while he does. I mean, Tristan travels a lot as well. Sure. But you're able to see these different types of fish and... Uh, I love their videos and yours as well, where you show the people what you're fishing as far as the flies. You'll, you know, like them and you both, you're not going to tell them obviously what river you're fishing on. We don't want to blow up the good spots. Sure. Guiding. I have a little bit of a different aspect on that, but I'm not fishing <laughs> little blue lines and things like that. The blue lines we definitely want to preserve, but it's nice to be able to see what flies are working. And, you know, that's really one of the aims that I have with this podcast is being able to share with people, you know, what works where and, you know, maybe you'll find a fly that you never knew existed for your home state that someone sure. else is blowing them up with. It's just a matter of, I mean, when we spoke, I'd never fished a purple haze. I fished it a couple times now. I'm still looking for that first fish on it, but I <laughs> we'll see what happens. Sure. I'm glad you're at least giving it a try. You're doing a lot more than I would, right? Because if you <laughs> gave me a fly and I did it for 10 minutes, it might be a different story, right? Um, but, you know, it, and I think you make a good point there, Brendan, because, again, it's uh, like as a YouTuber, I'm always trying to be careful of how I'm sharing the location of the area that I'm at. You know, you can keep it generic. I'm in central Utah. I'm in the Boulder Mountains or I'm in the Uintas or something. Uh, but if you even if you don't share the fly people are going to go fish that general area and chances are most people have within 10 different types of flies they might have three of them that you're using and they're going to figure it out regardless like that's just that's just the nature of this industry and so it's totally safe to share what type of flies you're using and you know it's it's okay to know that you know like a blue wing olive, for example, it's it's probably not going to be as effective, at least in a larger size in January than it is going to be in, you know, May and uh, at least in the, you know, the areas of the state that I'm fishing. So it's, it's cool to share that knowledge with, with people because it, it definitely pays off. Yeah, no, and it's weird to me when people are so protective of their flies. I mean, like you said, chances are someone's going to go to an area and fish and they're going to know what flies are working there. But I saw a post actually right before we started on Facebook in one of the fly fishing groups I'm on. Uh, someone was fishing on the lower Provo and they caught a absolute hog. I mean, yeah. nine and a half pound trout, which I mean, lower Provo is notorious for having blue ribbon fish. Like, oh, yeah, it's a phenomenal fishery. But someone asked in the comments because you could barely see like a glimpse of the fly in the trout's mouth, but not even close to enough to make out what it was. Someone asked what it was and the guy commented, ha, nice try. Yeah. But what, what difference does it make? I mean, yeah. 
Mo- most of us are putting those fish back. It's not like we're going to go and overfish the fishery. It's on sure. that river's already overfished. Well, that's exactly it too, right? I mean, like if I go fish Provo River, I'm going to tell you I'm fishing Provo River. Like there's no secret. It's literally next to a major highway. And it's, you know, if you're going to type in Utah Blue Ribbon Fishing, I'm going to tell you it's going to be Provo River. It's going to be the Weber River. And it's going to be the Green River. Maybe the Logan as well. But like they're not secrets, you know, it's just like that. Though That's the place where people are going to be. It's when you get beyond that, those little creeks that fish into it or flow into it, or there might be a creek two miles away from that. That's got a, a, a larger abundance of fish per square mile. And it might not even be the same species that's within the same, you know, river system downstream. Right. I mean, Provo river doesn't have cutthroat. I can tell you right now, there are probably three streams near Provo that have cutthroat. You just gotta, just gotta go out and look for them. Yeah. No, and that's just it. You just gotta, like I said, go out and look, explore a little bit, learn new water and see different areas. It's going to sure. change your experience with fishing completely by getting out of your comfort zone. Definitely. Um, my, day job boss is notorious for saying uh there's there's no growth in the comfort zone and there's no comfort in the growth zone so i mean get out there explore experience new things and you're gonna find a lot of success in doing it absolutely i like that perfect well you know we talked kind of about what your ideal trip looks like what does an average 10 car trip look like three rods way more gear than i absolutely need um but it it, based on the places where i've gone they've been places i know they're going to catch fish and they're going to be those those really good 30 fish days uh which are rare for me by the way but um yeah i mean average day for me is you know dry flies dry fly floating um semi-local within an hour and I'm going to try to fish, you know, that, that stream today with my dragon tail Mizuchi. And I'm going to go back next week with the, the middle fork. And then I'm going to go back, you know, I, I want to try the same stream on different rods so I can get the practice and experience on those rods, uh, to see which ones I like. And then I'll start taking the ones that have more use to me on the longer journeys. So Right there, you mentioned a few different rods. We mentioned the Mizuchi, we mentioned the Middle Fork. What does your Tenkara rod lineup look like? What rods do you have? So from largest to smallest, I've got a T-Hunter. That's Wasatch Tenkara rods. I've got a Nirvana 400. That's Dragon Tail. Um, I've got a Middle Fork Wasatch rod. I have a Mizuchi. Um, I've got a vision into my mind here. Oh, I've got a Samurai. Um technically it's my wife's Ruben gifted it to my wife uh I will admit that I've used it more than she has um but (laughs) that is yeah courtesy of Ruben he wanted to make sure that I was sharing this passion with my wife such a such a generous man and uh yeah so she's she's got the samurai but uh next I would have a Tenkara USA Hane I've yet to catch a fish on that rod I now have a baby Rodzilla that you know of and a Darth Quattro. Um, and then I have a tiny 10, which is like a five foot rod. It's barely under that. I think, I think it's four foot eight or something, but that is a, that's a weird rod. <laughs> if I'm being honest with you. Um, um, I've, I've heard that. I haven't fished a tiny 10, um, but 
everyone I've talked to says it's kind of a niche rod, which I mean, Tenkara is niche. But yes. niche in you're not casting it like normal rod. You're pretty mm-hmm. much exclusively bow and arrow casting it. Yeah. And most of the fish you're going to catch on that rod are going to be way too small for as stiff as that rod is. Yes, it's very, very stiff. And I think it makes sense that it has to be given its length. It doesn't have the luxury to to bend. The backbone kicks in almost immediately for it. So if you hit like a pocket stream, there's streams that I'm aware of that are maybe a foot wide. And I actually have a video on my channel of that tiger trout creek because it's at some point it's maybe like a beaver dam and it's kind of like a little pond. That's a good point to bring out, let's say the middle fork or the Mizuchi. And then it gets down to, I'm, I'm talking 12 inches wide, but the fish in that slot might be 12 inches long as well. But it's got this long overhanging grass. And so I can take that four foot rod and just dab it. It's just, I'm right over the fish. And I've seen those tiger trout jump completely out of the water to where not even a single part of their body is in it to come grab those flies because they're just like staring at the grass line the entire time, but they're shielding you. They're, they're hiding you. So yes, that is a niche rod because it's, uh, or a niche rod because it's, you know, I probably can't think of anywhere else I would use it right now. Minus a pond that has some banks that have really big sunfish, green sunfish, um, to where, like, I don't want a long rod to catch a fish that's right next to my foot. Right, um, right. So, like, that that might be a good spot for it, too. But those are the only two places that it's really been beneficial for me. Now, I have talked to Sam, the owner of Tiny10. Um, I actually offered him a negotiation or a deal to trade that rod for some content. And uh, if you actually follow Sam on Instagram and you see the things that, like, the little streams that he's catching the the fish on it makes sense like you you know follow his content and see like the little tiny one foot wide creeks that he's fishing on that's what he loves so he made a rod for that and uh but now i have darth quattro so it's it it might not ever really see the light of day at this point no and that makes sense i mean like you said different rods for different applications right and for that small stream application like that a rod like that really would be perfect um, I'm right there with you with the Darth Quattro, though, as you know, I went and picked one up, so I, I yeah. still have yet to fish that rod. Uh, my local blue lines are either running way too fast or still under snow, so yeah, that, I mean, we're in the same boat there. So <laughs> I, I'm very eager to get Darth, Darth Quattro out. I've, um, I honestly, I'm a little ashamed that I've yet to to catch a fish on it, but I mean, I'm going northbound anywhere where i live in utah and i just feel like the trout fishing is next to none from salt lake and north and uh right now i just like don't want to commit to an hour plus drive to see a chocolate milk stream and so it's it's hard for me right now with tenkara it's been very slow to get started with it this year but it's good we've we have the winter that we've needed for 40 years and uh you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's it's beneficial, but it's really slowing my fishing experience down with Tenkara. All right, and we're back after some technical difficulties uh, a couple days later, but we, we are <laughs> back. Um, as I was saying uh, previously, I checked out a spot last week. It's a spot that I fished uh, previously uh, last year, the year before, and had success at, and I was like, you know, maybe it's somewhere that 
it's a small stream. Maybe it won't be as affected by the snow. And I was definitely wrong. My stream that's normally about six feet as its widest width and, you know, a foot and a half to two feet is a deep pole is currently running about three feet higher than it normally is. And, you wow. know, was double the width. So Jeez. definitely not going to be getting out there anytime soon. As far yeah, as it's, it's a bummer, man. I mean, we're we're all itching and uh, I mean, every year getting more into the passion of Tenkara fishing and I didn't have eight rods in 2022. I have eight rods in 2023 and I want to use all of them and I'm eager to use all of them. And it's just, you know, it's like a it, it's a good and bad thing, right? We need the water in, in the, on the West Coast in general. We're in this really gnarly drought and, uh, you know, taking one for the team, I suppose. But it'll it'll be nice to get back out and uh, get back to those streams. And I'm just I went back and watched a couple of my YouTube videos just to just to see what time of year I posted them. And I'm like, oh, I was like the end of summer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be a little bit uh, different this year. You know, one advantage. Uh, Going back to something we talked about earlier uh, with coming in a couple days later than when we were originally recording this is I said earlier I had not fished Darth Quattro. And now I have. And I love that rod. Um, I, just took it out to, I took it out to a community pond out here uh, about 20 minutes from where my in-laws live. Yeah. And, and I mean, I caught yesterday i fished it for about three hours i caught 30 fish before i stopped counting yeah and then put on another two dozen or so after that i mean it, it was just non-stop action on that rod uh fished it pretty much exclusively in that longest length of eight foot six because that i was a pond setting mm -hmm. but i mean i hooked into one fish that flipped out of my hand before I got a picture of him, but it was a 15 plus inch fish and that rod handled it. No problem. Which yeah. Was a surprise to me because I mean, you and me both, when we picked up, picked up that rod, that's our small stream rod, right? Absolutely. We about that earlier, how that could replace your uh, tiny 10 for your small streams because it's, that's what it's made for. Absolutely. So it's, well, you want to have fun with it too, right? I mean, uh, a good flex is something required in a good rod, but that that tiny ten is just like it's literally like fishing a stick with a fixed line. It's so stiff that um, it works in the length that it's that it is, but it's just like it's just a very unforgiving um, flex. And because of that, I think it's hard to hook set. I mean, it's like, I mean. I don't even know, man. It might be more than a five-five flex. I mean, I think you've got to like you literally have to work the entire rod, and it just—it's almost like slow motion. Everything is. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, I do want to look at your tiny ten at some point this summer. Definitely. But, uh, and part of that's just because I want to be able to review and have information on any rod that I can possibly get my hands on. Yeah, I'll, I'll let but, you borrow mine, man. But that's a rod that's always intrigued me. And when I was first getting into it, it's just one that I decided wasn't for the applications I needed, which I mean, after fishing a few smaller streams like Mill Creek Canyon, for example, I kind of wish I would have had that shorter length instead of my first uh, real rod that was the Shadow Fire from Dragon Tail that, you know, 
12 foot rod is a little much for a small canyon like that. Yeah. But, uh, definitely, definitely intrigued by it, even if it is just a bow and arrow cast situation. You know, it, I, I'm, I'm going to take back what I said on it feels like a 5.5. Five. It actually feels like if this even exists, like it could be a 9.1. It's too fast of an action and it's all backbone. The entire rod is backbone. And uh, ironically, that should make the action fast. Um, but it just it feels like it's so fast that you miss it. And then everything else feels slow motion. And that's kind of my 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 feelings on it. But like it is like so cool. I love the look of it. I love the logo of of, uh, you know, that company. And it's just like I think Sam, the guy who owns it, is like this uh, college student that like made this business as like a project. And it's just become something for him. And I just it's cool to follow his journey on that. And uh, dude loves fishing with his dog and these little brick trout streams. And that that's what that rod was for. Yeah, no, and I've watched the videos. Uh, I think he, I don't know if he still posts to YouTube, but previously he would post a little bit to YouTube. And when I was getting into Tenkara, I would watch some of his videos. And like you said, it's very small streams where some of it, like you're saying on your tiger trout stream, you're just dabbing your fly in and yeah. that's, you need in that situation versus you know you get out to like the stream behind me and that rod just isn't going to cut it yeah it definitely felt like i was jigging the rod like i like an ice fishing style but with the fixed line but again it 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 worked for that specific purpose tall overgrown grass uh 12 inch wide stream with 12 inch tiger trout which that rod can most certainly i mean i can catch that fish and pull it and just work the entire rod. And so I just don't know how many of those streams I have the luxury to find in the next couple years, um, uh, you know, until more innovative products come out and that, that's the only problem with it, but it takes like no space at all too. So it's just, I think it's, it's literally the most packable rod out there in the market. I don't think there's a more packable rod. It's literally, I think it's four foot nine uh, is what I said, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, and that's just it is. Even I was looking at some rods earlier today, like I just mentioned, I want to be able to give my opinion on all of these different rods. And so I was looking at a lot of cheaper Ooh. options because a lot of people will ask me, where's a good starting point? And we talked about Dragon Tail being a good entry point with the Shadow Fire, uh, best bang for your buck. But I really want to know as far as like, okay, yeah, that is as far as like a true Tenkara rod, the best entry point. But I mean, we can look at like the yellow rods on Amazon, some of these other options and what truly is the best entry point if you don't have very much to spend. And so I'm going to be kind of focusing on that, I think this summer a little bit with sure. picking up some new rods, but it's, it's intriguing to me to just see the different price points. And even uh, back to what you're saying on the length, there's nothing else that's that length that's going to be that short. Like even these little six foot rods you're seeing, they break down to an 18 inch length versus, you know, that one's like 10 or 12 inches broke down. It's short. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Well, thank you for uh, taking some time to meet with me again today. Uh, we'll keep yeah. it pretty short here and get things wrapped up though. Um, Peyton, where can people follow you and your journey through fishing? Yeah, so um, Skiddy Fishing, S-K-I-D-D-Y Fishing. Um, that's my YouTube channel. So I try to post videos of about 90% of my outings. Um, 
which again, I, I do hope in the future, I, I become more of that 60 percentile Tenkara fishing. It's been a lot more lakes recently, but that's where I would like to see, or that's where you can probably find most of my content. Um, typically I'll post pictures of the same adventure and outing on my Instagram, which has the same name, Skitty Fishing. And I thought about going to TikTok, not quite there yet. Um, and then Fish Brain, I don't, what was that? You and me both. <laughs> yeah, it's, not yeah, it's hard. It's hard, <laughs> but, um, uh, and then I, I use an app pretty actively called Fish Brain as well, uh, which for those that don't know is it's kind of like a social media app. You can connect with other anglers, but it's also like a log book too. And that's what I use it for. I like to log all my catches and I'm very analytical. So I like to see the stats of what I'm catching, when I'm catching it, what the temperature and, you know, cloud conditions were of the day. Um, I'm very strategic with fish brain though. I, I don't post uh, the GPS coordinates of where I'm fishing. Um, you know, I try to preserve where I'm fishing just, you know, not, if not for me, for other people that really appreciate those areas too. But, but again, I, I don't mind sharing tips on, um, you know, how I find those places and kind of like good starting points and stuff too. So like, I'm, I'm very interactive with people. So you can reach out to me on fish brain, Instagram. I respond to most YouTube comments, uh, within 10 minutes. Honestly, it's, uh, I get notifications on it and I mean, I'm only 770 subscribers, I think. So it's pretty easy to keep up with, uh, with, uh, the community. Perfect. Well, thank you again for taking some time to, uh, come on the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you have any questions or recommendations, you can reach out to me on Instagram at Let's Talk Tenkara, or you can email me at Let's Talk Tenkara at gmail.com. And uh, we are still, as I previously mentioned in other episodes, we're looking for people to fill up our 50 states. Uh, Peyton's episode here is going to be an independent for just uh, talking with him about YouTube and what he's doing in the Tenkara world and fishing world as a whole, really. But uh, we, we are looking for people to fill up the other states. We've got three states hit so far. I do have someone lined up for Colorado, so that episode will be coming in the near future. And uh, other than that, reach out to me if you have any questions or recommendations. Or like I said, if you're interested in being on the show, feel free to reach out to me and we will talk and see if we can get it lined up. Thank you again and tune in next time. Tie lines. This has been Let's Talk Tenkara Podcast, hosted by Brendan Harden. Special guest, Peyton Skidmore. You can find Peyton online on YouTube at Skitty Fishing, or reach out to him on Instagram at Skitty Fishing. Feel free to reach out to us on our Instagram at Let's Talk Tenkara or reach out to us via email at Let's Talk Tenkara at gmail.com Feel free to send over any suggestions or questions for future episodes. Thank you for tuning in and Let's Talk Tenkara A Salt Lake Tenkara Production <laughs>